Welcome to Freestyle Thoughts, a dance podcast. I'm your host, Anna, and this is episode three. Today, we are continuing our conversation from last episode. Last time, we talked about Chinese dance in general, and we went in-depth into more specific classical styles. This episode, we're going into traditional dances. Disclaimers before this episode, I would say that I have less experience overall in traditional dance just because there are so many different styles and I'm not even covering all of them in this episode. And I am talking at least a little bit about the ethnic group that this style belongs to or is meant to represent. So that means that I am using more articles than last time. And like last time, I'm going to be referring to dances in specifics. So that means that I encourage you to look at these articles and these dances and to even read on if anything I say you find particularly interesting. Guys, I'm looking back at what the research that I did for this episode and I'm just thinking about how long it took me to write this script. <laughs> okay, listen, let me, let me give you a glimpse into the process that went uh, for me. So I got to figure out what dance styles I am, I'm, I'm going to be covering. And, you know, that's not always easy with like l- less known styles or less popular styles. Some styles have a lot more written on them, um, either because for, at least for traditional dances, it's like the ethnic group is, there's stuff going on with the ethnic group, the actual people that these dances are meant to represent, or like the very few articles that are on like the Chinese dance stuff itself. Articles, there are some articles written about like the Chinese dance itself. And that's just, that's extremely uncommon. So main point is, is that this, it requires a lot of research. Y'all, it was, it was rough. <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> Also, like, okay, searching for some dances, it's so hard. Like, if for, for a certain style, if you don't know a specific dance, to kind of like jump off and let the suggestions take you on a wild ride, if you're trying to find that first that first video, it's sometimes it's so hard to find, like, a, a good starting video to, to guide your, your search. I mean, like, usually I try to list about like two or three dances for diversity, but sometimes typing in like whatever style, dance style, like in Chinese on YouTube does not yield the results I want. And it's just, it was annoying, but I did it guys. I did it. (laughs) Okay. So it's no secret. Today's episode is a continuation of last episode. I gave you the broad strokes of difference between traditional and classical dance uh, review Classical dance has influences from tr- traditional performing arts, martial arts, ballet, what have you. Uh, but traditional dance is rooted more in, tends to be local customs and traditions, but can be, you know, broader. And today we're going into what that, what, what does that really mean though? We're going into the nitty gritty of traditional dance. So traditional dance in itself has two major categories. The first is uh, minority ethnic dances, and then there's everything else. <laughs> And I know that's not very specific, I know, but what I mean by that is it's it's the stuff that could be done at any given festival. 
Um, so what that me- what that means? That means lion dance, dragon dance, and I would say those are very a lot. Uh, people know know what that looks like for the most part. I would like to put out another disclaimer. I do not have any experience in lion dance or dragon dance. Uh, I don't have any real experience in lion dance or dragon dance. I was the butt of a lion once for about five to ten minutes. But that doesn't really count. <laughs> but I, I'm talking about the the history of these two, of lion dance and dragon dance, because it's, it's super interesting. I just need to put out there that my experience with traditional dance is in executing the ethnic minority dances. Um, so I'm not going to go super in-depth into lion dance and dragon dance, even though I think what I found is like interesting. Um, also, I mean, lion dance and dragon dance both have the advantage in that I think they're fairly iconic to the average person who's just vaguely aware of Chinese culture. I mean, lion dance is almost guaranteed at any given Chinese festival. It also helps that these that both of these things are not specific to China in the same, in this, uh, like, it's just more, it's just around in like the populace's conscience more so than some of the more, some of these ethnic dances that I'm going to be talking about later. Um, But yeah, I don't really have any experience in lion dance or dragon dance. And part of that is mostly, uh, mostly because of the, community in which both of these dances are practiced. So basically what that means is that anything I have to say about lion dance or dragon dance is not going to be particularly nuanced. Um, I mean, let's talk about how I have even less experience in dragon dance. <laughs> um, I mean, like, like the fir- literally the first time that I've seen one was this past summer. <laughs> so... And even then, I think, I, I believe, what my research leads me to believe is that I saw a more modern take on a dragon dance than a traditional one. But, I mean, they both have a, uh, but, you know, lion dance and dragon dance both have very rich history. So I wanted to share that with you. Let's start with dragon dance. Long history and tradition in Chinese culture. But I'm giving you the abridged of the abridged version. <laughs> If you want to read more on any of this, again, I'm leaving the resources that I use for this episode in the description. But basically, dragon dance consists of multiple multiple performers holding poles uh, to raise and lower parts of the dragon. I'm usually following the path that the head has already set out, you know, as it goes. But the story that goes with the dragon dance is that the dragon will only listen to one person. And that person is the one who is carrying the Pearl of Wisdom, which is basically just large ball on a pole. I do know that all the dancers have to have like, you know, big, like like this is like even just off the top of my head. All the dancers have to have like lots of practice, big communication cooperation skills because um, the dragons themselves can be very fragile, but, you know, to properly breathe life into an otherwise motionless body as tradition suggests you know it's just uh, I mean coordination is part of it but it makes you absolutely have to like communicate during practice and stuff like it's, I don't know it's, it's 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 a different it's a different skill set than like I think what you the practices dance practices usual dance practices are 
So I have linked a video that actually consists of four, dra uh, four dragon dances. It seems this is done in a competition, so these guys are actually really good. Uh, I do want to say that I don't think that they all... I my, some of my research led me to believe that like the traditional of traditional dragon dances, it's similar, music is similar-ish to lion dance and that there's like a live percussion team or something, something like that. These don't use that. So I'm not, I'm, so my options are either that these are not super traditional dragon dances in the, in the videos I've linked or that that article that I looked at was lying. <laughs> I don't know, but it's still pretty cool either way. <laughs> Like, even from, like, the smallest amount of, like, research on dragon dance, it's, like, it seems to be done by martial arts teams or martial art team adjacents. So, it's, they're not, like, dancers who have some sort of ballet basic training kind of thing. Or if they are, the team is not. Does that make sense? <laughs> let's, let's move on because I don't, I really don't know much about dragon dance even after some research. So dragon, lion dance, ooh, my bad, lion dance. I would say that lion dance is one of the most recognizable aspects of Chinese traditional culture. As I said before, if you've ever been to a Chinese festival, the lion dance is always opens to ward off the bad spirits or spirits intending to cause harm, according to, according to tradition. And lion dance teams tend to consist of six to 20-ish performers. The lion itself consists of two people, the head and the tail. The head is, of course, responsible for manning the lion head. That means blinking the eyes, uh, uh, flicking the ears up and down, moving the mouth, picking up or spitting out whatever the lion wants or whatever. <laughs> it, very, very obvious things. They're the head. They do head things. Very obvious, given the name. Tail has... More of a job than, you know, just being the butt. Um, with more experienced teams, the ta uh, lion's tail is responsible for actually like, lifting the person, the lion's head. Um, yeah, but, you know, unlike dragon dance, strictly two people per lion. Traditionally, gender segregated, but of course, you know, modern lion dance teams ignore this antiquated tradition. Optionally... There's also one person playing Buddha who often provides like comic relief uh, as he tries to tame the tame or tease the lion. And the remaining members of the team are the percussionists. The main drum, besides being kind of like, besides like grounding the performance, represents the lion's heartbeat. I've actually tried drumming once and it, it was a lot of pressure. And that, that was just like a practice, <laughs> just to do like the opening. Cut, 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 thing. Lots of pressure. Didn't stick with it. Sorry, guys. But so there's the drums, and then there's the cymbals and the gongs, which represent the lion's thoughts. Traditional lion dance is also very deeply rooted in storytelling. My university had a lion dance team, and I remember one year, I think it might have been the for 2020 Lunar New Year. They had uh, the lion get curious about a large barrel of sake, which the Buddha set out to save for later, I think. And when the Buddha stepped away, 
The lion drank the entire barrel, handle, whatever. So basically the second half of the lion dance was Buddha finding out the the lion drank all of the sake and then just dealing with the drunk lion. It was actually, I think, I at least think it was very good for an amateur team. I've actually linked that lion dance if you want to take a look at it. It's not it's not long. Uh, from what I understand of lion dance, there are lots of different styles, but I'm not really quite sure what those distinctions are. Again, this is not my field. <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk about what the main points of today's episode is. <laughs> you know, and that is minority ethnic dances. Now, a brief background. Last episode, we talked about we talked about Han dances, and we mentioned that the Han ethnicity makes up the majority. It's, they're the majority ethnicity in China. But China officially recognizes 55 ethnic minority groups. And now, each of the 55 ethnic groups, they all have rich histories of their own and cultures and a set of traditions that um, within itself and culture, whatever. Um, I want to put an emphasis on how, again, on how all of these ethnic groups are not equally represented in Chinese dance. Um, and honestly, off the top of my head, I know only about eight different ethnicities in regards to Chinese dance. Um, and that's after thinking like really hard about it too. <laughs> As a result, I'm going to be going over eight, but I only have experience in six. And I would confidently say that I know, like no, no, like very well can, can confidently say that I know three three styles particularly well. As a result, this episode, again, it's, for, at least for this episode in particular, relying more on articles more than my own takes and experience. So the eight ethnic dances that I'm going to be going over for this overview, overview are Wa dances, Yi dances, Korean dances, we'll put a pin on that, Wigger dances, and that's spelled wildly in English. Uh, Dai dances, Mongolian, and Tibetan dances. Maybe that's not eight. Did I count that right? <laughs> okay, I lied. We're going over seven dances. Sorry. I, I Clearly, I cut some style. My bad. We're going over seven. <laughs> um, so, starting off with Wa dances. The Wa people are located in southern China, and they have historically been isolated from the developing world just because of the kind of area that they live in. And that is, they tend to, they've lived in uh, areas with like high mountains and wide rivers, so it's not the best place for, it's, it's difficult to have global communication. It's very easily, easy to be isolated. Wad dances are very easy to identify. All like Chinese dances have like specific way to do hair. Um, classically, it's in a bun on top of your head. Sometimes it's in a braid. Sometimes half up, half down for like more modern dances. Also very classic is like the two buns. Um, uh, but wah dances famously leave, do not do that. They leave their hair down. In fact, in wah dances, the choreography is built around like the hair swinging. Like it's very iconic. Traditionally, each movement is meant to reflect nature in some way. And that imagery is meant to be emphasized by the hair swinging. 
So let's talk about what my experience is like, what, what that is like. Um, I haven't done one before. <laughs> I've seen only a handful, I would say. I think maybe two technically. Um, in the vast world of Chinese ethnic dance, Wa dances are not the most common or popular, I would say. Uh, ironically, in the dance world, I would go as far to say that Wa dances make up a minority of minority ethnic dances. <laughs> but, you know, I've linked a couple in the description for you to take a look at. The first video that I've linked is a trio called Wa Shan Yinxiang. Uh, that translates to the Mount of Worship or something like that. Um, but this is fun fact, the first Wa dance that I have ever seen. <laughs> I, I've definitely seen the second one, but this is the one that I distinctly remember. If you haven't noticed, or noticed already, these Chinese dances, you know, they're old. So that means video quality is poor, to say the least. And that is going to be a, continue, a continual theme throughout this and the next episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. I would say, you know, the music for this dance, you know, very evidently so. Very, it's very immediate. It's very percussion heavy. Um, and this tends to be more of a characteristic of wa dances and some other ethnic dances than classical in particular. Um, there are definitely classical dances that are uh, percussion heavy musically, but I would say those are rarer than it is to find a percussion heavy dance, like a musically percussion heavy traditional dances. You know, I mean, there's sometimes singing and a melody, but, you know, it's mostly emphasis on um, the percussions. And also, secondly, another quirk of, I mean, this is more of a quirk of traditional dance, but this is, you know, apparent in wall dances also. Um, you know, the feet are almost always flexed. Um, you know, again, it's going to be a, a trend in this episode. Um, also, for wall dances and other traditional dances, Lan Hua Shou is not, is, there, there isn't a place for that here. <laughs> and, you know, the hair swinging is all over the place. So, you know, it's appropriate and expected. I've also linked a group dance, Tai Yang Ren. And I, there's nothing really new that I could say about this one. I just haven't seen this dance done before. At least I don't think so. Um, there's a leg hold in this one. And there's less lifting people. <laughs> I mean, the music, the music has a more melodic section at the end. But, you know, the precautions are still there. Sorry, I just... <laughs> there's not a lot of new things for me to say about this video that I haven't already said in the first one. And again, I don't really have experience in, in doing a wah dance. Uh, so I guess, shamefully, going to move on to the next, next category. The Yi ethnic group is apparently one of the largest minority ethnic groups in China. They also are located in southwestern China, in mountain river valley areas. Even from like a quick Google search, the Yi ethnic group has a pretty deep and rich history. So that does make it hard to find stuff that's more Chinese dance specific than, believe it or not, it was, it was actually harder to find stuff like on Chinese dance for Yi dances than it was for Wa dances. And isn't that crazy? <laughs> but from what I could gain from multiple articles, there are a lot more like customary dances in the Yi culture, like things like, like a wedding dance or a funeral dance, etc. And while these are, you know, fascinating in and of itself, these are not kind of, these aren't the dances that really carry over to Chinese dance. 
I mean, I think they're definitely referenced, but I don't know you dances well enough to make, to point out when this is referencing a specific other type of dance, unless it's, you know, very obvious and it's in the name or the music. <laughs> so yeah, I haven't seen these like, uh, these customary dances, um, but you know, I have no doubt that elements carry over into the Chinese dance sphere. Costuming, however, much more accessible in my research because I know what uh, e-dance costumes look like. A traditional costume would be people uh, for women consists of an embroidered jacket and a long pleated skirt with multiple layers. Women also tend to wear some sort of like turban or embroidered square handkerchief to wrap up their hair. The determining factor for whether it's like a turban or the square whatever is age. So one thing of note is that uh, traditional clothes of the Yi people are, you know, they're vibrant, but I would say Chinese dance costuming takes it like, one step further. Skirts tend to be very, very vibrant. The headpieces tend to go the route of like a vibrant square cloth instead of like the, you know, the black turban the uh, older women wear. So you know what? Let's <sighs> again. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so bad at talking uh, about kind of these things in the abstract. So let's talk about more specifics and what that looks like in applied in a natural dance. So as you can imagine, uh, since costumes consist of the characteristic long skirt, drums and yi dances are, I want to say, never present. I've never seen a jump in a yi dance. <laughs> I would say similar to Dohuang ribbon dances, there's lots of technique to show off in these dances like turns or fanchons, you know, stuff that keeps, you know, it, your, your feet grounded. And also, you know, stuff that shows off the skirt. So the first one I've linked is called in English, Rainbow Cloud, but is in the Chinese, it's called Wu Zai Yan Xia. If you're paying attention to the video that I've linked, this is the dance studio that I attended as a child. Um, one thing about, uh, one thing about this dance, uh, there are lots of dances with the same music, uh, nearly all identical in costume, but, you know, different choreography. It's either that or it's just like two minutes of extreme poor quality. <laughs> so my options for this was limited, but I, I wanted to say that this dance, like Rainbow Clouds, is very iconic in terms of e-dances. Like it's like, like one of like the go-to almost. That's where my my mind goes to when I think of e dances, but uh, yeah, I I showed I'm showing you this video instead of uh, one with alternate choreography because I wanted to emphasize uh, the use of like you know skirt flipping whatever skirt flipping movements. Um, I can't really comment on the cape though. Um, doesn't it does seem to be like an, a niche characteristic of of this of, of specifically this dance but i do i don't think it's widespread within the e dances so i don't know but uh when the music changes about uh a minute and a half in you can already see how it's a lot of you know using the skirt to accentuate movements and at the end you can see how like those fan shans and turns um big emphasis on the style uh it's actually again it's a very clever workaround the costumes limitations as well as a way to not only work around limitations, but to show it off, you know? I don't know, it's just so so brilliant. <laughs> um, 
the second dance I've linked uh, is one that I've done as a duet. And technically the original version is, is a trio, but you know, this is what I mean by the flexibility of Chinese dance. You know, there are aren't there aren't really limitations and that's one of the beautiful things about it. But this one that I call it is Soma Huakai or Soma Flowers kind of is generally like the it's like soma, soma flowers blooming or something like that. So like the tr literal translation is. But I just, we just called it Soma flowers. And the video that I've linked is not the original video. Uh, the only one on YouTube that I could find cuts off the iconic Yeliang, Yeliang, which I know that's not how you say it. But that's how, they, that's how he says it in the video, in the music. <laughs> it cut, but it cuts off all like the, the talking about the moon at the beginning. And I, honestly, I couldn't remember when um, the, the name of uh, the dance and I was trying to find uh, I was trying to find it so I actually looked up Yelang Yelang and um, because that, that, that was the part that I remembered <laughs> and I, I just could not remember this dance the name of this dance for the life of me uh, but it got me it got me to this, to this video to, to, to the proper name of, of the dance isn't that crazy um, but again in this one you'll notice okay uh, you'll notice that the headpiece in Rainbow Clouds wasn't really like the classic style square kerchief or whatever. And to be fair to that dance, it was kind of just more of a quirk of that specific dance. Um, a lot of the other versions do have the more iconic -y, like headpiece, uh, like a square handkerchief. But in this dance, they do have that square that square handkerchief uh, headpiece. But you can see that, um, you know, uh, I mean, spinning is just a little bit less of a thing in, in this dance. Uh, and uh, There's kind of just less technique overall, which isn't necessarily indicative of e-dances. That's just kind of more of a quirk of this dance because it's, it's I think, look, we're, we're, admi we're, so, we're so much flowers. We're admiring the moon, man. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this dance uses a lot more like, you know, the skirt to accentuate lots of movements. But you know, now that I'm thinking about music, I guess I'm going back to Rainbow Clouds. But I think this the melody of like kind of like the main music in Rainbow Clouds. It's like a more classical melody, uh, like in in Chinese culture, kind of like in the same vein, like of Taiyun Zhuiye and Mo Li Hua are. Um, I, I, but I wouldn't put my life on it. But I'm betting that there's something that, about the singing that signifies Rainbow Clouds as a yi dance specifically, as opposed to like a just classical dance to some classical melody. It's just around in, cult in, in culture. I don't know. Like, like, I don't know. I'm more confident about the bell stuff from last episode, but I'm guessing this, I wouldn't be surprised if this, this is in the same vein where it's it's something in the instrumentation, um, in the music that signifies it as a as a yi dance. I don't know. Maybe I'm right. Sorry. I mean, I don't really have lots of uh, experiences with yi dances. <laughs> I've only I've only done the one that then I saw Rainbow Clouds and there's like two thing two like key dances I've seen. Um, I actually went to a to a to a Chinese dance competition and you know we'll talk about my experience in Chinese dance competitions. But I saw the Tsuoma Huakai and turned into a group dance. Uh, but it was, it was from what I remember though it was like mostly the same dance as like the same choreography as much as possible, just adapted to you know more people. So, but you know, I'm not really sure if that counts as seeing like you know three different, um, three different uh, e dances. I don't know. I was in terms of representation. 
in like the in like you know Chinese dance sphere. I'd say you dances, you know, they're out there. Um, they're more common da- than wa dances. Uh, but you know, this still not the most like none of the ones I'm talking about today. I'll be quite honest, are like the most common my uh common uh minority ethnic groups ethnic dances. Mm, I don't know. Also, one one other thing I want to talk about. Um, if you look up like Chinese ethnic dances on the ever controversial Shenyun website, um, you know that'll probably be you know the first the first suggestion that Google pops up, and you know they so they list Korean dances under Chinese ethnic dances, and you know they're they are a Korean coded Chinese dance, and that they are a Chinese take on a Korean dance. And it's, you know, it's, it's different. It feels odd, I would say. It's, it feels a little bit different than other groups that we're talking about today. Like Chinese Korean dances take a lot of inspiration from actual Korean dances, obviously in the same way that Yi dances take lots of inspiration from the Yi people and their, and their uh, more specific things in their culture, right? Uh, but the difference is that, you know, the Yi people are actually like... They're like they're in an ethnicity in China, and they don't really have like a country outside of China in the modern day, um, where you know they don't have like it's not like Korea. Okay, Koreans they they have Korea, like they have a country in the modern day that we can point and like that where like Koreans Koreans are the ethnic majority of Korea, okay? There, there, there's not, like, an equivalent of that in the modern day for the Yi people or the Wa people, you know? It's 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 different, you know? And especially with kind of, like, how I think Korean culture is becoming much more prevalent worldwide than it was, like, you know, even when I was in high school. Like, you know, there's, like, like Korean dramas on Netflix, easily accessible. My dentist talks about K-dramas, um, you know, K-pop is obviously a lot bigger now than it was like when I was in high school. Like, I, so it, I don't know. I think maybe maybe that's why it feels a little bit weird to talk about Chinese Korean dances. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know. So, like, at, like, at the end of the day, like, Korean dances, in terms of the Chinese dance, it's just like, it's just the Chinese take on Korean dances. So that means that, you know, Chinese Korean dances are Korean, are, they're working within the confines of a hanbok. Uh, hanbok does not really lend well to classical dance technique. The only exception being like, 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 like turns and stuff. But I don't know. There's like, you know, there are like drum or like drum and fan dances, but like those are like already like, types of Korean dances. Does that make sense? Like, like Korean dance, from my understanding, like traditional Korean dances, they do not take this, the same kind of uh, technique that Chinese dance does, but it's, it, they're still not like, it's not like, like a, um, like there are different, like, you know, variations of like a Korean fan dance within like Korean culture done by Korean kids, like in Korea. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying though? I don't know. Basically, this is my very long-winded way of saying that I'm not really going to be talking about Korean dances. I've seen a handful of them. I haven't done one. So let's think of it this way. Rainbow clouds. 
let's use that as an example. This is an original version with a professional, right? I haven't linked it, but it's out there. And then there are lots of studio professional and recreational studios that do their interpretation of the dance, keeping the broad strokes um, the same, but changing technique and some other things to show off their dancer, uh, their dancer's best, uh, their the dancer's best technique, or to adapt it into a group dance, whatever, right? Okay, that's basically what Chinese Korean dances are to Korean dance, at least from my understanding. I mean, if there's some sort of nuance that I'm missing, I beg someone to educate me, but. I can guarantee you if I typed in Korean dance to Google, it's going to pull up like Korean dances, like actual Korean dances. And that's not what I'm looking for. So, I mean, like, I, I mean, again, at the end of the day, like, a Yi dance is still like a Chinese, like a more general Chinese, like Han Chinese interpretation of that culture but again like, i don't know it's just different it's different i'm gonna stop talking myself you know in, into this hole now <laughs> uh, i'm sorry okay this next group i would say is the most well-known group on this list but for non-dance reasons and that is i'm, I'm gonna be talking about the Uyghur, Uyghur dances the way that I've been approaching these in terms of research, it's been like, you know, a light overview of culture, but mostly focusing kind of like on the dance. Um, personally, I think there's kind of a lot to learn just kind of from dances, like passive intake of information. And it's, you know, it's more than what I, I can express in words. Um, problem comes down to this. It's China is a big country with 55 recognized minority ethnic groups. Um, so that also means that there are ethnic groups that aren't officially recognized, I'm guessing. <laughs> um, and then there's one majority um, ethnic group that's like in power. We're talking, if we're talking about like socio sociology. Okay. At the best of times, like that kind of like, um, that kind of situation, it creates, you know, it's, it's tense at best, at worst. Um, well, I mean, I I guess sometimes it feels like we're living in the worst of times all the time these days. <laughs> um, you know, let's just get into it. So, so the Uyghur people are like a Turk-speaking, uh, they're, they're Turk-speaking Muslims. They're located, no, this is a group that's not necessarily located in China. They're located in other places in China, like Pakistan, Turkey, Uzbekistan, etc. But within China, they're especially uh, mainly in the uh, Xinjiang, which is, you know, northwest part of China. And, you know, these names, Uyghur, Xinjiang, whatever, you know, they should be ringing bells if you're kind of, like, socially aware. And that is because the Uyghur people have become... I mean, okay, the Uyghur people, people have a very difficult history with China, and that's just to put it lightly. And that's not even talking about what's happening within the past 10 years, you know? If you, you, but if, you know, if you somehow miss the news, China has, like, has been, like, is actively, like, even before it was kind of big in the news, um, to, quote, forcefully assimilate the Uyghur people to the, like, like, mainstream culture. And, you know, it's awful. It's awful, among other things. Um, 
the Uyghur people have such a vibrant culture that's very clearly shown in Uyghur dances. And honestly, um, I don't know the ratio of Uyghur dances, of, 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 like, of like how many Uyghur dances have been done since 2021 um, because of pandemic, but that was kind of when the news broke of uh, what was happening to these people. But I, I don't know what the general response of kind of like the news breaking uh, to the general Chinese dance com uh, community or, um, outside of China. Um, I feel like that would be a very interesting statistic. I just don't have access to that statistic. <laughs> I mean, Uyghur dances, they're very identifiable, vibrantly, cover vibrantly colored costumes, um, long skirts. So again, choreographies can be favoring turns. Um, they have, tend to have veils, very like, rhythmic, um, very rhythmic music. And on, like, honestly, like, Uyghur dances are so distinct that you can identify them as easily as Wa dances, if not easier. I mean, that isn't to say that the other ethnic groups on this list and the other ethnic groups that I'm covering on the next episode um, don't have a rich and vibrant culture or that they aren't as distinct. But I mean, okay, think about it. Let's just talk about it from the perspective of like, the overview that I gave. Like, one of the most notable things that I found when researching uh, for Uyghur, Uyghur dances is that, you know, a very defining feature is that they have, I mean, all of these people have like their own language, but like the culture with like Uyghur, like the Uyghur community like, in China was always like so strong and language is so, so importantly intertwined with a cultural identity, right? So if, and like, you know, like the language and like the Uyghur, the language that the Uyghur people speak, it's not really related to any of the uh, Chinese, the Chinese languages uh, within China. So it definitely has this like kind of like othering effect, if you will. And, you know, obviously China has a very like autocratic uh, government, so differ like having such a big difference within their population is not something that autocratic china wants D their response is bad obviously but i mean just from that i mean like it, china's response to we to the uyghur people the the fact that the uyghurs people speak a different language a very a very different language it I mean, like that—that that alone should indicate how like unique the dance, how you how it ref, would reflect uniquely on the dances. I mean, like okay, okay, okay. Here's another way. I know we didn't really talk about these styles, but what is the difference between a meow and like that's that's M I A O. That's not not meow like the cat meow, uh, and a and a drong dance at a glance. It's hard to differentiate them, in my opinion. And honestly, I just found out that one of the dances that I thought was Meow Dance, um, for a good chunk of my life, it's, it's, it's a drunk dance. I'm, I'm just saying that there's something immediately identifiable about Wigger dances. So let's, uh, let's talk about them in specific so you can see what I mean. This is actually one of my favorite dances. It's called Hua Wei Hong, or Why Are the Flowers So Red? 
And from the get-go, you can hear how vibrant that music is. And the costumes are appro appropriately very red, um, vibrantly so. And, you know, I love, let's talk about this dance in particular. I love the, the little hip shake about like a minute in. It's just so iconic of like this dance in particular. I don't know. I just, I just kind of love this dance. From my experience, a lot of Wager dances that I have, that uh, a lot of Wager dances that I've seen, and the one that I've done is like you know they're not. They aren't only just as vibrant and light and as lively as this one, but they also you know, the music tends to feature you know singing, and you know I don't know it just sounds happy and it makes me puts me in a good mood when I do a Wager dance. Or that one time that I've done a Uyghur dance. You can tell from the instrumentation, the music, it already sounds, you know, distinct from the other Chinese dance styles. Even the other Chinese dance styles on this list. There's some guitar-like or some plucked string instrument uh, prominently featured about two minutes, 30 seconds in. Um, and I actually just I learned my first Uyghur dance this past summer. And let me tell you, I am so sad that I've never done one before. I mean... The one that I'm doing at least requires lots of, it's, it's, it's a stamina battle, more so than other Chinese dances that I've done. But I, I don't know, it, it's fun. It's a weak way to end, end, end the saw on why wow, the flower is so red, but I, it's fun. <laughs> the second video I linked is called Huar, but you would probably recognize, recognize very quickly it's the same music, and it's probably called Huar because uh, Why Are the Flowers So Red? Um, it's long in English and in the Mandarin, com comparatively, <laughs> to some of the other ones. But, you know, I just want to point out that sometimes the prop with your dances will, like, use tambourines. And this is one of those ins instances. just wanted to show you an, like, an example of that <laughs> instead of you just having to take my word for it. But I actually don't know a lot of Uyghur dances by name. So finding another video for this was actually a little bit difficult, but I wanted to make it known that um, I found another dance with small children with small children doing a tambourine wigger dance, and you no, know, they were they were cute. I just didn't link that in the video <laughs> in in the description. <laughs> but but I have linked for this third one. I, I've linked for the sake of variety in music. This one is called, oh God, it's called Bell Girl in English, and the Mandarin is pronounced Ling Dang Xiao Nu. Oh God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so this is a solo, maybe more clearly than Why Are the Flowers So Red? There are some identifying movements of Wager dances, lots of kind of neck movements, shoulder movements, particularly like the back and forth movement I'm talking about. It's in horror. It's in Huawei Shim, it's in Zhiyan Hong, but I don't know. It's like they're almost like circling arm movements. I don't really know how to describe it, but it happens at about um, three minutes, three seconds. But here's another instance of non, of non, uh, non Hua Shou, just like open palms. And as you can tell from the music, I think more so this dance than with the other two, the music is very very rhythmic, you know, lively. <laughs> but even just like from these three examples, you can, the three technically two um, examples, you can see how like, you know, 
you can like extrapolate how lively of a culture the Uyghurs have. Actually, if you read, if you want to read more about the Uyghur culture, there are lots of articles covering, you know, to varying degree, their culture. I will want to point out that Uyghur in English has multiple different spellings. I've seen it, um, articles spelling Uyghur as U-Y-G-H-U-R and U-I-G-U-R. Basically, sometimes the I uh, is a Y, the H is sometimes not there. There are variations that, of like the two ways I spelled out like aloud, like that like they mix and match. So I don't know. There doesn't seem to be like one consensus on how to spell Uyghur because you know English and alphabet and borrowing whatever. <laughs> um, so I know that this episode is kind of like on the shorter shorter side, but when I originally had the this episode. In, in the script, it was just it was so much longer. Um, it was so long because I have so many things to say about our remaining three uh, styles that it would just be a mo- absolute monster of an episode. So yeah, we have three styles left to go. These are like the big three, and I have more experience in these three styles. There are also just more resources out about these about like the actual dance styles. So yeah, that's just, it's just, there's just too much that I want to talk about to include in this episode. Even when I was just writing the script, it didn't feel right to talk about like these like silly dances or whatever after talking about how China is trying to um, fully assimilate uh, the Uyghur people. Like, it, I don't know, it, it felt icky, let me say. So... It wasn't just an so it wasn't just like a like a, like a episode length based decision. It was a little bit to, it, was, it was topical too, because I mean like I mean I don't know. It's just very very icky, very icky. I don't know. It's just like I'm I, I'm also I, I got my bachelor's in linguistics, right? So I I just have lots of thoughts of when one power tries to wipe out um, another group's culture by targeting language. Um, I don't know, icky, it's icky, and I'm not gonna talk, it's icky, I don't, I don't wanna talk about it, it's already getting late. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I do encourage you to check out you know, the videos that I have in this linked in the description. Um, if, you, you know, if you're curious, curious to read on, go for it. And if there's something interesting that I got wrong or, I don't know, something that I got wrong or didn't include and you know who I am and you had the time to research further, I would be happy to hear you out. <laughs> um, honestly, a lot of the knowledge about traditional dance is just, again, it's something that you just kind of get passively through experience. So it sort of sucks that a lot of like the research out there is like suboptimal at best and non-existent at worst, at worst. Um, but yeah, I hope you learned something or something piqued your interest. Please join me next episode where we are finishing off talking about our list with the final big three. 